Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And we're El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. Young, ground full side, he slides it into the net. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa. He loves a big clap, mate. So. Gather around, villains, and welcome to the latest instalment of Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast from underagaslitlamp.com. We have two games with mixed fortunes to look back on today, plus we'll be discussing the future of our Brazilian magician, and also looking ahead to Sunday's home game with Crystal Palace. I'm Andy, and joining me this week, it's Dan. Hello Andy, how's it going? Um, we've got a Craig-shaped hole with us this week, so I'll do my best to, to fill it. Do I want to fill Craig's hole? Probably not. Um, I'll do my my best in Craig's absence to talk about all things Villa, let's say like that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move swiftly away from, <laughs> away from that. And uh, we'll start with, uh, with Saturday's match um, at Burnley, as Villa looked to go three unbeaten, against a side fighting for their lives in the relegation battle. The big news was, of course, Emi Buendia finally being given the starting jersey by Gerrard as Coutinho was rested. Callum Chambers also replaced Tim Urogbanum in midfield, with Esri Konza coming back into the defence. The headlines were, of course, about Buendia, and in the first half... Um, uh, he certainly took control of the game as he, he he played in first of all played in Danny Ings to score against his former club with an excellent finish before finishing off um, a nice Villa move uh, to slot past uh, Nick Pope um, with the help of a deflection to make it two nil. We all sort of felt on here uh, last week that this this would be a good match for Buendia to come come back into. So how did you assess his impact in the game and, and what? did he bring to the side along with obviously the, the the goal and the assist yeah i mean i think it was something of a complete performance from Buendia. he was he was great in the build up creating chances he he slotted one away himself and i think he was great on the other side of the ball as well pressing down hard tackling hard as advertised really as everyone had talked about him and it was, it was nice to see the boys on match of the day pick him out as well and and look at his his performance um it was a complete performance, and I think that that matched up with Villa. I think this was the most complete performance we've seen under Steven Gerrard so far. Like as we said, we've seen fits and starts and flashes of brilliance, a good half here, a good twenty-minute spell there. But I think this was our our best first to ninetieth-minute performance. It was a shame about the goal at the end, kind of took took a bit of the shine off of it. But I think Buendia personified everything that was good about Villa and everything that, that Gerard wants to put into this team. It's hard running, it's bravery on the ball, it's some skill on the ball. And and that's where things are getting a little bit interesting. I think that's where Villa fans are divided into two camps between our two mercurial number 10s is, you know, are you Coutinho, are you Buendia? Which one represents the future of Villa and how we want to play? And and on this evidence, it was definitely Buendia. Um, I was gutted not to make it to the game in the end because it would have actually been a fun one to go. But uh, but it was perfectly enjoyable from the armchair. What about you, Andy? What did you see? Yeah, well, um, it was uh, it was an enjoyable game. I I actually watched the the, the rerun of it the next day because I was uh, I was I was at uh, Warsaw watching. Uh, Watching Swindon qualify for the uh, the, the playoffs, um, unfortunately, beat Warsaw quite quite comfortably. Um, oh, you were a Louis Barry watch, but, uh, weren't you? How did he look? Sorry to derail the notes was... already, Andy. But... <laughs> no, it's all right. No, he's 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 lively. Um, the, the 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 really impressive player is is uh, Harry McCurdy, who uh, who Villa had um, as an academy player in. He is uh, he's a real talisman for for Swindon. Looks a really good player, and quite a few levels above above uh, League Two. I would I would say so. Um, he he scored a goal and created um, a penalty. So uh, he was it was good to see him doing doing so well down there as well. So uh, yeah, but in terms of in terms of Villa, obviously um, 
I felt that. I felt um, it reminded me a little bit of the uh, uh, when we played Crystal Palace away early, earlier in the season. I think it was Steven Gerrard's second match in charge, and that was very similar in in a sense that you know we we sort of took a, took the lead in the first half and kind of controlled the game. And I think obviously Palace, you know, have got a lot of quality players, got more quality in their team than uh, than Burnley have, and I think. Um, they, you know, they perhaps gave us some more hairy moments, but I think generally we controlled that game and then conceded at the end um, when it was too late, really. So it was a similar sort of sort of thing, really. And I, th- I was, I sort of when dear, like you say, kind of epitomised that that performance. You know, he was he was involved in everything Villa did from a, an attacking perspective. Um, you know he he's he's not as um silky and as flashy as Coutinho um you know and and he's in my opinion he's just not not as not as talented he's not as he's not as you know on the on the same level but what he what he does is he's really intelligent in finding those those pockets of space and you know and even for the goal you know that when the ball's pulled back he's on his own on the edge of the penalty area i mean that's you know that shows incredible awareness. Um, you know, and he, he obviously it's a it's a little bit fortunate how it went in, but he's 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 worked the keeper and and it's and it's gone in. So, um, but again, and as as well the, the 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 assist for Ings just 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 a lovely ball through, great vision, lovely ball through, um, and we have seen that on occasions, but I I would say just not enough. But it's never too late, is it? It's never too late to. Uh, you know, to come in and start making an impact, and I, I wonder if actually having Coutinho there has has driven him on a, a little bit, because it doesn't seem like a shrinking violet. I think he he wants to, you know, show that he's capable of being of, of repaying, uh, you know, that the club record fee. I think he 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 looks determined to me. Yeah, and, and by all accounts, the two of them get on famously off the pitch. So um, so I wouldn't surprise if they drove each other on. One thing I would say as a slight caveat to this is, is Burnley left a lot of space between the lines. If there's a team you want to play an attacking 10 against, it is Burnley's 4-4-2. And they, they just couldn't work out who was picking him up. And and I think there we saw the benefit of playing two strikers and, and just the one man behind them. Because when you've got Ings and Watkins pushing the centre-backs back and then then Buendia popping up in those holes, he's got acres of space. And, and that pass for Ings' goal was beautiful slide rule pass, but it was made because he had that extra bit of time on the ball. And, and I just think when him and Coutinho both play together, they don't get that much time because the opposition can step on that little bit more. But, I mean, we'll talk about the potential of Coutinho signing in a bit. It looks like he's close whether you want one or the other, we're spoilt for choice to have both of them. And and if I'm completely honest, I actually thought Buendia deserved to start against Liverpool. And, you know, Coutinho was always being held back for Liverpool. You could tell that. There's a little bit of romanticism in Gerrard there. But I think Buendia was the better player for the Liverpool game and arguably Coutinho was the better player for the Burnley game. And and maybe that's how we'll see the two of them work out if, if and when the little Brazilian signs for us. But this is this is the thing, isn't it? And this debate, and I think I think certain outlets, Birmingham Live in particular, have really kind of um, fed off this almost um, battle between the two of them, and and um, who should start. And the, the fact is, you know, they can they can both you get you'll get more out of them by by playing them uh, less often. You know, each of them will benefit from. The other one stepping in and and giving them a rest and 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 I think that's how it how it can work and at big clubs, um, that's how it does work. You know, players at Chelsea, you know, Ziyech, Havertz, Mount, you know, they all interchange, don't they? They don't all necessarily play together. So, you know, I'm and of course, you know, that his front three at, at Liverpool, you know, how do you? You know, imagine if 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 they if if they had the same debate up there about you know potentially upsetting people. You know, they'd have six strikers on the field every week, wouldn't they? So, you know, it's 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 not about that. It's about it's about having a you know a, a squad and a blend um, that is 
interchangeable. This is what we 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 struggled so much when um, when we had Grealish there because when he wasn't there, the team didn't function. We can't have that again. We have to be able to to interchange players and um, and move players in and out, and you know, and and account for form because these are both clearly Buendia and Coutinho from the evidence of this season are both players that run in out of form readily. Um, and you need to be able to take them out the side when they're not performing and play the other one. And, and, and that's, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly okay. And what a backup to have for, for one another. You either bring in the world's third most expensive player or, or a midfield in the Villa tracked for years and has great stats. I would just add to that. I think actually, I mean, Gerard in the week had mixed messages. He said he doesn't like playing them together and then said that he would play them together, but it would be a change of formation. And I actually think that the two of them have suffered because of the emergence of Ramsey. I mean, the problem isn't necessarily having two great tens because you can always shift one to the wing. We saw that with Grealish. The problem is our midfield is full of runners that want to get beyond tens. Like Ramsey loves to get forwards. McGinn loves to get forwards. Louise isn't a holding midfielder. And so we almost can't play with two tens because we don't have the players behind them who are going to sit and do the dirty work. And I think that's where Villa's... Not transfer policy, that's where the squad balance has come unstuck because Buendia was fine on the right for Norwich and, and had attacking players you know, in the centre and to the left of him. I think the problem with Villa right now is, is you almost need a couple of lumps to stay back when you've got that much attacking talent. But the problem is we have, we have great attacking talent from deep too. It's an embarrassment of riches really going forwards. But we're almost in Keegan's zone where we're playing so many attacking players, there's no balance to the team. So it's, it's a great time to be a Villa fan because I can't remember the last time we had this much attacking talent. But how you squeeze it into one team is... I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see Gerard's tactics board. I imagine it's just lots of old marker lines from where he scribbled out formations and put new ones back on. <laughs> I, I do think it shows a little bit of growth from Gerard. I think, I think perhaps um, uh, I know Craig's been quite critical of Gerard's tactics, and I've, I've seen it. I've seen it from from other people as well. Um, but I do think that he has changed his formation. You know, on two or three occasions since he's been at the club, um, changed the way he's he's approached things. He's had a he's had a front three, he's had the two tens, and now he's got a, a front two and a ten. So um, he's willing to to shift it and 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 try to work it in the the best way to suit his his players. And it's it's not so much about shoehorning people in as as getting people functioning the right way alongside each other, isn't it? And and I think that's that's certainly what he's done. Um, I think it's a little bit unfortunate that Coutinho's kind of run out of form a little bit um, in the last few weeks. Um, but you know we're near the end of the season now, and I think I think the summer will be really interesting to see. You know what what system he kind of um, really tries to drill into the players, and um, based on presumably the personnel that he's 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 looking to bring in. So. Um, no, it's it's it, like you say, it's an exciting time, isn't it? And you know, in being in a position at Aston Villa where you can you can leave Coutinho on the bench is is um, you know <laughs> you have to you have to kind of you know think uh, that that probably represents some progress at the club. <laughs> so, um, but it you know it was uh, an all round sort of competent display from Villa, as we said. Um, putting together the, the full 90-minute performance, never really looking in trouble. And it was, of course, Ollie Watkins who who sealed the points uh, early in the second half with a, a diving header from a pinpoint John McGinn, John McGinn cross. Um, it was another accomplished kind of centre-forward display from, from Watkins in front of England manager Gareth Southgate. But this week, rumours have emerged that Watkins may be a target of West Ham United, who are desperate, desperately in need of a, a new striker themselves? With talk, talking talks upwards of of uh, fifty million pounds being the the asking price, um, he has undoubtedly seemed more like his old self. I think in recent weeks, after a bit of a shaky season. Um, so, do you see any legs in this this story, or you know, or 
do you think is is it time to cash in, or would you would you still see him uh, leading the the line next season? I mean, there's definitely legs to the story. This this West Ham story seems seems to have some good sources, and and it wasn't so long ago he's been heavily linked with Arsenal too. Who are, I don't know if he's a, a boyhood Arsenal supporter. I read somewhere, but yeah, there's definite yeah. legs to it. Whether it's from his camp, whether it's from the Villa camp, I don't know. I, I think I mentioned to you this morning, Andy. I think him going to West Ham would be the most heartbreaking transfer of all time. Seeing Oli kind of go there and play under Moyes, as good as West Ham have been, would just be horrible. He's, to me, he's an absolutely top-class Premier League striker. He's had a bad season, of course he has. It's not been ideal, but but nothing at the club has been ideal this year. But what he showed us last year is he can score goals, and what he showed us this week is. He's one of the few strikers in the league who can make Virgil van Dijk look ordinary. And and honestly, not many guys do that. He's a top, top class striker. He's going to be in an England squad pretty regularly, I think, from now on. I'm pretty sure if he sticks around next year, he's going to score a hat full of goals for us. And, And he's got everything you'd want in a striker. But... There's no smoke without fire. And if if the talk is that Gerard wants to bring in another striker, we're, we're potentially going to have two top-class tens. We're looking at, at investing in other areas of the squad. He's the kind of player I could see, see us cashing in on, especially as he was very much a Dean Smith sign-in. But, I mean, I'd be heartbroken. And I think it would be one of the worst pieces of transfer business we've ever done at Villa. I mean, it's, I'd put it akin to York leaving for United. It's that kind of level. He's just such a superb modern Premier League striker at a time when good strikers are nigh on impossible to find. And you say 50 million there, for me, that's a bargain for a player of his calibre in this day and age. So, look, I hope he doesn't go. I want him to be leading the line for Villa. I'd I'd rather have him there than Ings. and, And I'll be honest with you, just about any other striker we've been linked with. But there does seem to be some foundation to this rumour. And whether that's his camp aggravating for a move away whether that's the club aggravating for a move away I don't know but it worries me and I don't know I've got a soft spot for Ali he's had a he's not had a great season but he's turned it around and and I think all of the disruption off the pitch his personal issues too haven't been great for him this year but not all strikers score 20 goals a season not all strikers are that consistent but I think with Watkins what you get is so much when he's not scoring it's almost impossible to overlook him as our starting striker. Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting because with when when Gerard came in, I automatically assumed that that um, he would favour Danny Ings because he knows Danny Ings, and and obviously Danny Ings is, um, to all intents and purposes, you know, one of the top English strikers in the league. So. Um, I think from an outside perspective, um, and Watkins is highly rated outside the club as well as at the club. But um, Danny Ings is the is the name, isn't he? He's he's more, you, you know, if if you were if you were sort of just if you were a, a you know a, a Sunderland fan or whatever picking the Villa team, you'd probably pick Danny Ings. But that's obviously doesn't tell the full picture, and I, I just had a. Had an inkling that that Ings would be Gerard's first choice, but he never has been. Even when Watkins has gone through some tough times, Gerard has really kept faith with him. And if that was a player that they were looking to move on, I'm not sure that'd be the case. I know sometimes you have to pick players, um, like we, you know, we'll talk about Dougie in a bit, where you just have to because they're so important to the team. Um, but Watkins for a while was was quite. He, you know, he, he was a bit counterproductive to the team because he was he was performing badly and he wasn't really um, kind of uh, you know doing what he was meant to be doing. So, but he kept faith with him, and what I'm seeing, you know, in in the last few weeks, you know, probably even since since the the Brighton game where he scored. He's just a, a, diff, a different player to early in the season, um, and I was in the camp, you know, of well, if, you know, if you can get a, a decent profit for him, let him go because maybe he's hit his ceiling, but I don't think he has. I think he's, I think he's got another level to go into, and what I'm hoping is that Gerard is seeing that, and that's why he's persisted with him, 
Um, and um, he fancies him to be his his number nine next season. Um, you know, in his in his new new look team. So I'm I'm, I'm really hoping for that because, like you say, there isn't. And we said this last season. There isn't anyone really in the in the league that does his job um, as well as he does. You know, he's 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 top drawer, and he's also, um, you know, he, he's got other attributes to his game. He can run the channels. He can can hold the, hold the ball up. He can he can. And I mean, last last night the, we'll talk about the Liverpool game in a bit, but played a lovely through ball for mm-hmm. Danny Ings for one of one of Ings it was absolutely beautiful it was Buendia-esque you know it was it was lovely and uh, unfortunately it didn't end in a in a goal but you know superb um, player and I, I agree with you I think Southgate may well use him in the squad because he knows he, he can do a job for him in certain situations um, the only thing he lacks is um a few more goals. I think that's the only thing he lacks, and I think I think that's what Gerard wants. I think he wants to know that his striker's going to be one in two, one in three, and I don't think Ollie is at the minute. Um, you know, so maybe that will influence that that decision. Yeah, I mean the way the way Gerard seems to set up his team, a lot of onus is on the striker to score, which sounds ridiculous, but that's that is kind of the way he sets it up. I think Oli has suffered because of the Ings' arrival too. I mean, we, we've spoken on the pod before, you need top-class players in every position, multiples of them. But I think Oli's really struggled not being the main man. But I think what we have seen this week is is real signs for the first time that those two can play together really confidently. I think Burnley was the second game in a row where they both scored. And I think even in the Liverpool game, they both looked fantastic together. And I think you were right in what you said earlier that Gerard deserves praise for being flexible. I've I've been one of those who's been critical of him because he's been quite dogmatic in his tactics, but he has found a way to get the most out of those two players, which we haven't seen all season. And and I do think ultimately Ings could be a good foil for Watkins. But um yeah, I think you're right. That Ollie's lack of goals is what costs him. And and we saw last season he's a streaky striker. He had he had moments where he, he was putting them in left, right, and centre and, and games when he, he wouldn't, you know, hit a barn door with a banjo. So I think he's he suffers because of that. But I just like him. You know when you get a player that just clicks with you that you just like? He's one of those players for me, and I love watching him lead the line for this team. But I do, I do think the pressure's on him to get more goals than he does. But, but like you, I think there's another level for him to find, and I hope he finds it with Villa. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really hope so. And maybe you know, he, you know, I, we we did talk, and he he perhaps had a few things that were quite disruptive um, this season. Obviously, um, Ings coming in, um, but I, you know, I, I do think, like you say, I think Ings has actually probably been quite a big part of Oli. Um, regaining some of his form lately, playing up front alongside him, I think they've they've really started to gel, as you say. Um, I think I think obviously Grealish going as his main his main supply line, you know, taken out and and obviously there was a lot of talk about him him becoming a dad. Whether that affected him, I don't know because I'm sure a lot of footballers um, are parents. Um, so it's 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 a strange one, but I think I think then obviously Dean Smith going and 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 that would have been a big thing I think for 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 Ollie Watkins. So hopefully, you know he's he seems to be playing. He's got his head up. He's he's got his chest out. And like you say, Van Dyke did not have an easy night last night. He he did not enjoy playing playing against Ollie Watkins. He probably slightly got the better of him. But he had to he had to use all the all the dark arts in his repertoire to uh, to keep Ollie at bay last night, and uh, you know that's what great defenders do, isn't it? But but Ollie pushed him pushed him hard last night, and it was it was great to see, really good. So are we? we I assume we're Ollie in. Then we want we'd like him to to be the number nine next season at this point. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very much Ollie in, and I mean, you saying about Ollie becoming a dad, I, my brain just drifted. I wonder if he his approach to parenthood is the same as his approach on a football pitch. Like he, he's all energy and hard work. Do you think he's changing every nappy, getting up for every feed, and maybe that's what affected him? He's the poor guy's not slept for for six months or something now. 
yeah, he just wants to be uh, involved in everything, I guess, and uh, that's it. You know, all action, hundred percent every week. Closing yeah, down so, dirty nappies from miles away. He, he sees one and he's straight in there, goes and gets it, no matter even if it's his turn or not. <laughs> yeah, I've got a horrible image in my head now. Um, <laughs> flashback, flashback. Um, but uh, prior to the um, prior to the Liverpool match, um, which we'll move on to in a, in a little bit, um, there has been significant noise around uh, the progress of a deal for Villa to permanently sign uh, Brazilian Philippe Coutinho from Barcelona for quite a much reduced fee of around £17 according to reports. Steven Gerrard has made no secret that he wants to keep Coutinho at the the club uh, past the six-month loan deal and it seems progress has been made in uh, renegotiating the agreed fee in the option to buy clause, which was reported to be around £33 million. It would seem that Coutinho has perhaps finally found a new home at Villa and he's happy to stay and play for his old Liverpool teammate uh, into next season and beyond. Um, this has obviously moved on again today and there are reports that uh, he's, he's, he's now um, it's now all agreed and it will be announced in due course. Um, we were hoping it would be before we recorded, but <laughs> nothing so far. So, so bear with us if we're a bit behind by the time this this comes out. But I mean, for, for me, this would represent a huge coup for the for the club, you know. But what do you make of the the potential deal and his role in in Gerard's team next season and beyond? Yeah, I, I think. Given the noise that's coming out, we can confidently say, or as confidently as we can say based on social media, that the deal's done. And and if it is 17 million, that represents unbelievable value. I mean, to put that into the context, I think that's what we paid for Trezeguet. And, and much as, you know, regular listeners will know, I think Trezeguet is a superior player to anyone else in the Villa squad. When you're getting Philip Coutinho for the same price, <laughs> it puts that into some kind of context. We, by all accounts, we are giving up some of his image rights, which which is quite a big back end to any deal, especially of a player of his profile in South America. But look, if someone offers you Philip Coutinho for seventeen million, you don't say no. The worry for me is that on one hand he could become a bargain, one of the best signings we've ever made. On the other hand, he could become an albatross that hangs around the club's neck. I mean, by the time we sign him, he's going to be twenty nine thirty at least a three-year deal, you imagine, and that takes him into 31, 32, 33 for a player who's had significant injuries. And the wage, even if Barcelona are covering some of it, even if he takes a pay cut, is going to be probably the biggest wage in club history, I think it would be safe to say. So you end up saddled with a player who potentially is your highest earner, commands a place in the team that you've got Buendia, who's who's a fine prospect, and, and players like Ramsey and Chuck Wamenka, who are great prospects too, and that essentially becomes the entire focus of your team. And, and that reminds me a lot of, of a certain Jack Grealish, even though he's a different profile player. We're, we're back to building the team around one player who, who can't be dropped, but can't be dropped not because we don't have anyone to replace him, but because he's on such a significant wage. So I mean, I'd make the deal all day long. You don't not make the deal at that price. But I think it creates a real challenge for Gerard, and that's that he cannot just have a guaranteed starting place every week. He's got to be... If he's not playing well, Buendia's got to start. Or if Buendia's not playing well, Trucklemembers has got to start. Whoever it is, he cannot be guaranteed minutes. He's got to, got to come to the table with something. Um and that's all that worries me. But look, let's be honest. I'm I'm in a situation where I'm saying I'm not sure if we should sign Philip Coutinho for 17 million. And it's these are heady days as a Villa fan, and you can't complain about it. And you know, it's, for the fans who turn up week in week out, you want that magic. Whether he's starting a match or coming off from the bench, you want that kind of player in in the squad. But I think it's whilst it's a, a signing we can't not green light I think it creates a really interesting managerial challenge for for Stevie G and and one that he's going to have to really prove himself to manage and look if it works this takes Villa well beyond our current status if it doesn't work you've got got a real issue on your hands because because like Barca found out with him no one's going to take him off your hands when he when he goes south 
Yeah, that's that. That is the issue, and it's whether you know it's whether we can um, sort of manage that. And we obviously talking talking earlier, weren't we, about you know him kind of dovetailing in the squad with with Buendia, um, and I I just think Ger- Gerard is realistic enough to 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 meet that that challenge head on. I don't think it'll be an issue for Gerard. I think the fact he has a a personal relationship with Coutinho helps because he can, you know, he can appeal to to Coutinho's ego. Although, you know, lots of people say that that he doesn't really have an ego as such like that. Most players do, but you know, it's it's. Um, I think it's just a case of, you know, <laughs> these opportunities don't come along. They, you know. We've got this opportunity because Gerard's there. Fair enough, but that doesn't mean you you don't take it. And if anyone is going to um, get the best out of this player, I, I I think it I think it could be could be Gerard. And we've seen already. I mean, we were purring about Coutinho in the first sort of few matches, weren't we? And I remember that you know the Southampton game, where, you know the four nil. He was absolutely outstanding, you know. I've, 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 even, you know, even Grealish wasn't pulling out performances like that. You know, it was, it was properly world class. Um, so, to me, yeah, as a match going fan, you're right. I, I want to see players like that. Um, I don't necessarily want to see that at the at the expense of um, of of winning matches, but um, certainly that little bit of gold dust on the top. Is 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 what I'm after, and I just enjoy watching him. He's just very, he's very, very easy on the eye as a footballer. He's got that kind of, that kind of running style. He kind of glides over the turf. You know, it's effortless. It's, it is like he's 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 playing in his slippers. It's 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 really really um, you know joyous to watch. I don't feel uncomfortable watching him at all, um, and. It's it's entertaining, and ultimately, yes, we go to watch. We want we want we want to win matches, but when you pay to go and watch, you want to see a bit of a bit of flourish as well. And I'm more than happy for for, for this for this deal. I think it's an absolute bargain, and it is to me it is a no brainer. It is an absolute no brainer. Like you say, there might be trouble ahead. Um, Villa do have a, a way of turning these these glorious players into uh into complete duds um as we've seen but you know hopefully this one will be different you never know it might and maybe hopefully he'll be a bit more a bit more Paul Merson and a bit less David Ginola <laughs> what a comparison I mean I understand I'm a pessimistic fan I Villa drilled that into me over the last two decades but the positives are there for Coutinho. You you look at what he's done this year, and you're right. We we were purring about him after the Southampton game, after the Leeds away game. He has got, and he, even in the Liverpool game, he kind of looped the ball over Trent Alexander-Arnold's head at one point as if he wasn't there, and that's that's not easy oh, to do. Point. And this is a player who hasn't had a pre-season in a couple of years, hasn't played regular minutes for a while, and I think like the rest of this Villa team, could really do with with a good summer camp, a lot of fitness work and a lot of tactical work. So the upside is all there. I do. There's just that nagging doubt in the back of my head and it is the pessimist in me that, that thinks this is a, a Steven Gerrard signing and, and I'm not entirely sold on the, the Gerrard ex- experiment yet. And so if, if the worst case scenario happens and he leaves, does Coutinho down tools? Does it become a player we can't have? But look, that's me being a pessimist. We should look at the optimistic side, and that is we're getting the world's third most expensive player for the price of you know Trezeguet, and and that's really not a bad upgrade in the in the grand scheme of things. As much as it hurts me to say that, not at all. And and and. Um... Someone did say actually. Uh, I did read on Twitter, and I can't credit who it was because I, because I, uh, I can't remember. But he, this person said that, uh, you know, it's 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 a bit of a joke that we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna sell Target and use use the money to sign <laughs> Philip Coutinho. It's uh, it's quite quite amazing, really. But you know, that's 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 
that's that's football in it and um you know we've taken advantage of a, a situation perhaps at Barcelona as well and you know it's all come together and and hopefully it'll it will work out you know um but we'll wait and see we'll wait and see on that um but we'll we'll move on to to last night and as we record it was uh, it was Tuesday night uh, 24 hours ago that that Villa hosted Liverpool who are still in the hunt uh, for the quadruple, um, but desperately needing a win after dropping points against Spurs over the weekend. Coutinho, as we said, came back into the, the side against his former club, replacing Buendia, um, with marvellous Nakamba also making a welcome return to the number six position. Villa got out of the blocks really quickly and uh, were ahead within within three minutes as, as Douglas Louise had his head aside from a Dina cross. Um, but reacted well to fire home in the re- fire home the rebound. Uh, Louise was was playing in in some would say his his more natural number eight position and certainly took advantage of being able to to get forward and, and, and make a run into the box. And the goal marked his his hundredth Premier League appearance for the club. Um, and of course he he'll again this summer he'll be subject to considerable transfer spe- speculation. As he enters the final year of his contract, um, what's your view on on Dougie Louise and how convinced are you um, that if he was to leave, uh, we could actually find someone better to replace him? I think you're right to to pull up his position there. I mean, first of all, a hundred games. I can't believe he's at that landmark already. Not many players at his age get to that landmark, but. He is a number eight. We saw that against Liverpool. He's a great number eight. And yet for most of his Villa career, we've played him as a number six. And he's he can do a job there, but he's just not comfortable there. And I think similarly to, to what we were saying earlier about Jacobs Ramsey unbalancing the squad, I think it's the same as Dougie Louise. He's, he's a superb player who should be playing where John McGinn's playing or should be playing where Ramsey's playing but isn't because of the makeup of our squad. And I think we'll lose him because we've been playing him out of position and he doesn't like it. Um, And it's a shame because I think he's going to go on and become an absolute top quality box-to-box midfielder for someone. But I don't think that's going to be Aston Villa because I don't think that John McGinn is droppable in in anyone's team. and, And Ramsey's emergence means that he's nailed down. So... I really feel for him because he has bags of talent. He's he's a physical specimen. He's got a great touch on him. He's got a cracking shot on him. He has got all the makings of a great box-to-box midfielder at any other team apart from Villa who don't seem to be able to squeeze in yet another box-to-box midfielder. So I, I think the fact that the club have been so good at tying down other players but there's still no contract for Dougie I think tells us everything we need to know about where his future's going. And I think we'll look back on it and, and have a lot of regrets about it because I think realistically the box-to-box midfielder we should be selling is McGinn and not Dougie. But uh, I know you won't be a particularly fan of that sentiment, Andy. <laughs> it's a difficult one, that. <laughs> it's a difficult one to accept. Um, I I mean, I've always been been a big fan of, of Douglas Luiz. Again, he's got that... Um, He's got a very similar sort of playing style to Coutinho. Is the way he moves over the over the turf, you know, the way he kind of caresses the ball, and you know, he's 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 quite he's quite languid, and that got in, in, into a little bit of trouble, I think, early in his career because he he did give the ball away a fair bit, um, and he got caught in some dangerous positions because he was playing number six. Um, but he's really grown. He's 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 really kind of developed um and he is now a premier league footballer there's no question about it there's no no two ways i think he could play in in most teams in the premier league and i think that's that's quite quite high praise really um and also this 100 100th premier league game i mean that's kind of crept up on us hasn't it really with dougie he's always seemed like um like he's he's kind of a development kind of project and you know the best is yet to come and I still think the best is yet to come um but like Gary Neville always says you know having a hundred games behind you is a huge thing for a footballer you know that is that is a proper body of work in the Premier League um he hasn't missed much 
you know, much game time. He's generally been in the team under both both under Dean Smith and and Gerard. Um, it's just that he has been playing in this position. Um, I think it's it's a, it's a bit of a strange one. I don't think he's necessarily um, not a number six. I think he's more of a Dean Smith number six. And I think we've talked about this before. You know, he is more of a, a pivot or metronome type of player. Um, but he's not a defensive midfielder, um, which, you know, there's, a, I suppose, a subtle difference there. Uh, in what he's being asked to do. We talked about Nakamba, you know, um, Nakamba is definitely a number six. You can't play him at number eight. You know, there's there's no question. You know, he is he is the archetypal number six, isn't he? And um as as Craig would say, he's 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 the he's the goldfish, so you don't ask him to uh, to climb trees. You know, he's he 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 guards the castle, as Craig says. <laughs> you know, but he's he's um <laughs> he's uh he's they both kind of have, have been kind of alternating in that position haven't they over the the course of the last 3 years in the premier league and um they've given us different things at different times um but i think now is the time to to start looking at players um playing in their in their natural positions or at least those positions where you can get the most out of them um and it is a shame that Maybe literally four or five games before potentially Douglas Louise leaves the club, he's he's going to be playing in his in his better position, which is um, that is a shame, isn't it? That's that's a, that's kind of classic. Yeah, Villa, I, I, I completely agree, and, and I agree with you on on <laughs> Louise being being a six for a certain side. I think ironically for a, for a top team, a City or a Liverpool, he'd be much more of a six because the defensive duties aren't aren't quite as as pronounced as they are at Villa. And I think I've said on the pod before, if you could somehow Frankenstein Nakamba and, and Louise together, you do have the perfect number six. And and, it, and if we do sign uh, Boubacar Kamara from, is it Lyon or Marseille? One of the French clubs, as, as we've been rumoured to do, by all accounts, he's that player. Yeah. So, do you know what? the the departure of Louise if he does depart would be would be dampened by getting the right player in. But but I think he's been a fantastic signing for the club. Whether he stays, wherever he goes, at the time it was it seemed like a ludicrous amount of money for a player who couldn't get in Pep's team and and only came to us due to work permit issues. And he's he's been for a relegation battle, a, a mid table tilt, and now a change of managers and a disruptive season. He's He's formed one half of a Claret and Blue power couple. He's he's been the centre of countless arguments. I mean, he's he's been through it all, and and he's only what 23, 24? He's got still got his best years ahead of him, and and that's why I'd want to hold on to him. He's he's a real asset. But as I say, I, I just worry that we seem to have tied down literally every other player in in the squad apart from him, and. Look, we'll make a tidy profit on him and and he will go on and I could see him performing really well in Italy if he went and signed for an Italian side. He he strikes me as that kind of player. Um but he he's gonna be successful wherever he goes. I just really hope it's it's at Villa and and him and McGinn maybe pushing each other for that that number eight spot because I think McGinn needs competition and I think Dougie deserves a go in that slot. Yeah, I think that's interesting, actually. I think he 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 kind of reminds me of um, of Tiago Alcantara, who obviously played last night as well. I think he is he's just got that style and that that just total totally relaxed on the ball um, at all times. Um, he's maybe not got his his quite his technical ability yet, um, but like we say, he's still developing. I think he's a tremendous player, and I will I will. Be sad to see him go, even though he has been a bit like Watkins. Really, he's been one of those players where you think, well, if you can get a decent amount for him, move him on and get someone, you know, get someone we who who fits our system maybe a little bit better. But of course, you know, when you kind of think about it, he does fit our system, just not in the position he was playing in it. And um, you know, he showed last night it was. You know, good good bit of determination getting into the box. You never see Dougie at the back post, do you? You know, um, and he did really well. And he, you know, he, he he stuck it away, and you know, seemed to really enjoy his goal. So, I'm I'm I was I was pleased for him. But I, 
yeah, it, it's like with anything. It's like, and a, a, I suppose similar in, to Watkins in a way. Until we know who's replacing these players, um, it's a bit nerve wracking to think they might be leaving because <laughs> we don't know we don't know who we're going to be left with. Um, maybe we'll feel better about it once we know who's coming in. You know, and uh, no one stays anywhere forever, do they? So, as we found out last <laughs> summer, so uh, you know, it's um, it's uh, it's it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But you know, I, I, I he's one player that I would wish all the best because I think he's given everything to Villa. Um, I think he's been he's he's been you know really great professional. Um, he's he's done incredibly well for us, and he's 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 really he was he was vital. Um, Certainly, after restart in keeping us up, he was one of our best players um, in that in that period of ten games where he, you know, we 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 managed to stay in the league. He was absolutely brilliant. So, um, you know, he he's he's a bit of a hero in that respect. Yeah, and I, I doff my hat towards the the Villa transfer department. I'm often critical about them, but I think in Dougie and we saw in Nakamba in the Liverpool game as well. We we've signed two really good players there in a season when we were coming up and. You know, we were really just trying to get any warm body through the door that we possibly could. And of course, we had some duds too that season. But I think hats off to them both. It's taken a few seasons for him to get there. But we have two really good squad players, if nothing more there. And yeah, I mean, to identify that talent, to bring them in and to nurture them, I think is the positive side of everything we do as a club and, and something I want to see us do a lot more of. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. Um, but of course, after that goal, Liverpool uh, went on and equalised within a few minutes uh, with Matip uh, finishing after some scrappy defending from, from Villa. And then Sadio Mane, of course, got his obligatory goal against Villa with a deft header that provided to uh, that proved to be the winner. Um, it was a game where Villa didn't really disappoint as they went toe-to-toe with Liverpool and arguably looked the more likely to score. Um, later on, after uh, after Liverpool took the lead, um, Danny Ings missed two huge chances, um, really, whilst also having a, a goal ruled out for offside, which was a really great finish. Um, but it was Villa's defending, really, which which was perhaps again called into some question, as as both goals appeared to be somewhat preventable. Um, easy to say against Liverpool, I suppose, but it seemed that way. Um, it appears that that Gerard is keen to add a centre half um, this summer, um, and whilst the Mings concert axis has been largely successful, there is a feeling that maybe it's been somewhat wanting um, uh, during occasions this season, despite, of course, the eleven clean sheets so far as well. Um, is there growth still in this partnership, um, or do you see some changes happening in the summer in the defence? I mean, I'm a huge fan of of Mings and Consa as a partnership. I think their body of work last season can't be forgotten about. And I think especially this season in the context that they've had no protection all season. I think last season they had two players sitting in front of them. This year they've had a gaping chasm in front of them. And and we've seen the impact of that. And and I think also that they've not been far off having a good season. I, I heard the stat earlier on today that Villa have lost 13 games by one goal this year. And a few of those go a different way. You've got a few more clean sheets and, and no one's questioning the defence. And yet, here we are questioning the defence. I mean, the the goals against Liverpool, the first one in particular, was was a horror show, easily preventable. And I thought Conza didn't have a good game against Burnley either. He had a couple of flappy moments. And I think what we're seeing here is two defenders who've been put through the ringer this year. And and it's hard to make a call on them until they're, they're in a more settled side with a bit of protection in front of them. But the talk is that, that Gerard wants to bring in another centre-back, and I think the style of play that Steven Gerrard wants to bring in probably does mean the end for the mings concert partnership. I, I think they're both superb defenders. I think they're both great investments and players I'd like to see us hold on to, but I think it's clear that Gerrard wants to play a higher defensive line. He wants to squeeze higher up the pitch and box players in. And I'm not sure that Mings and Konza have the pace to play in that position. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if we sign a, a worse 
one-on-one defender than both of those individually, but but sign a pacier defender. And I think that's the route that we might go. And I guess it becomes system over player because I think while sitting deep and narrow, as, as Dean Smith showed last year, Cons remains a superb. Amongst the best in the league, no one really gets past a one-on-one. But in a progressive system like Gerard's trying to play, they, they just aren't the right players or both together aren't the right, real right players. So... So I can see the argument for a, for a pacey foil. I mean, a, a Van Dyke or a, a Kyle Walker like the top teams have, where if you're pushing up high and you make a mistake, someone will come back and cover for them. Um, but it would be a shame because I think Conser is has been a fine acquisition and, and has the, the makings of a future England centre-back. And, and Tyrone Mings is an England centre-back. And I think they're both very important to Aston Villa. So whilst I can see the argument for for moving one of them on or or bringing someone else into the team, it does disappoint me somewhat. I'm I'm a little bit old-fashioned in that I enjoyed having an all-English back four last year. There was some novelty to it. And and I've been disappointed this year to add a Frenchman to the mix on one flank. And and no doubt we'd be looking abroad again. And, And that's not me getting all Brexit and... And kind of insular, there's just something throwback about having an English back four, and and I did enjoy it, but I, I'm, I'm reaching the realization that I think to take Villa to the next level, we need next level kind of players, and and whilst I'm sure if we sell one of them, they'll go on and be hugely successful elsewhere. I'm not sure that both of them together is Villa's future, as as hard as that is for me to say. Yeah, I do. You know, I do understand. We we were all hoodwinked into the feet into uh, believing that Matty Cash was English as well. Weren't we? <laughs> I forgot. Um, yeah, he's changed nationality this year. Oh, the dream's you know, long gone. <laughs> like, take that back. The dream's long gone now. <laughs> I'm all for the multinational approach. <laughs> Absolutely, I think uh, the more the merrier. But I think um, I think this is it. And again, you get to this point where you. Earlier in the season, I've perhaps had thoughts of, well, if Konza moves on, if you get a, a good profit for him, is that okay? That's okay. It depends who we bring in to replace him, I suppose. Mings, you know, has he has he had his time at Villa? Is it time for a new challenge for Mings, possibly? Um, but then when you come closer to it and, you know, you're seeing actually the team are performing pretty well. And I tell you what, Tymero Mings has... Over the last few weeks, I think he's had some of his probably his, one of his best runs of form in a Villa shirt. He's been, I think he's been um, he's been tremendous, sort of quietly in the background, not not necessarily, um, you know, making many waves, but he's he's I think he's defended superbly, and he's been, you know, he he's he he can step out, can't he? And he can, you know, skip round a player and lay a lay a pass off and. You know he's a he's a good footballer and very intelligent footballer as well. And you know I'd I'd love to uh, I'd love the idea that that you know that this this defensive partnership can 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 kick on again next season and maybe they can. Um, but it just feels like that you know the mood music is suggesting that Gerard wants a new kind of spine to his team, doesn't he? He wants a new centre half, a new midfielder, and a new striker and you know um what that means for some of our favorites is uh <laughs> i don't know really but you just hope that you know whatever happens that uh you know things are done reasonably amicably as well and and you know and i think the fact that you know if players are leaving and they know they're leaving um they're still involved and they're still giving everything for the shirt and you can i don't think any of these players um, you could, I mean, you could argue they've had, you know, difficult moments. You know, maybe some lapses in mentality at times. But I don't think you could ever question the commitment as such. Um, they just haven't always, always been on, been on it, have they? Uh, fully at, at, at various times, particularly this season. So, um, that's not just Mings and Konza. That's the whole. That's the whole team. So, um. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a strange one. I really like both of these players, and uh, you know, I love the fact I love a proper central defensive partnership. You know, like like um, you know, Pallister and Bruce, Adams and Bold, McGrath and Teal. You know, Zach Knight and Gary Cahill. You know, all the big ones. 
<laughs> I mean, I just... I, well, we had... Um, people always talk about Larson and Melberg, but I don't think they ever played together as a two. They were always... <laughs> They were always over injured, or Malbo played at right back. But um, I like those that dependable kind of central defensive partnership that that is there every week, and and you know what you're going to get, and you might get the odd Rick because that's football. But um, generally speaking, they're they're on the ball and they're the, the bedrock of the team, and that's what I like about these two. They and you know they kick it away when they have to as well. You know that's what I love about Konza. He's not he's he's you know, he, he, he's, he's not a, he's not a ball playing no. centre back at all. But if it has to go into the stand, it goes into the stand, and and, and that's what I like. And he, you know, like you say, he very rarely gets beaten one on one. So yeah, I mean, we're not it, on the on the basis of this podcast. We're not selling anyone, are we? And it's weird. <laughs> I mean, I fully accept that. I come on this podcast every week, say it's not good enough, and say I don't want to sell anyone. I think this is. I can't remember the last time there was a, a Villa team that I I liked pretty much one to eleven as much as this team, and I don't want to see anyone go. But I mean, gun to your head, Andy Mings or Conza, which one do you sell? Probably Conza. I think I agree with you. I think Mings means too much off the pitch, if that makes sense. And maybe in the dressing room, I I like him as a man. I like him as a leader. I I like his his height and his stature as well compared to Konza. And much as I think Konza is the bigger upsider, I just think Mings as a man is is probably the guy you'd keep hold of. Mm, Yeah, but they're such a good... They're such a good partnership together, and um, or they have certainly been over the last two years. A bit less so this year. The other thing with Mings is he's left-footed, mm. yeah, and I think I think that's really important um, down that side. And you know, I'm not sure. There's certainly not a better English left-footed centre back. Because, Especially uh, given Harry right Maguire. Footed. Yeah, I was going to say it's <laughs> Harry Maguire's kind of putting in Rick's left, right, and yeah. centre. Yeah, but um, you know we'll 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 see again. We'll see how that how that progresses over the summer. But another notable occurrence from the last couple of games was has been uh, the emergence back into the the the, the picture of Carney Chukwemeka, um, who's been given significant game time really from the bench, um, which hadn't happened for a number of weeks previously. Um, the absence of Jacob Ramsey has possibly contributed to this. But with the issues around Carney's contract and talk of him leaving in the summer, um, it appeared to be that he was perhaps out of Gerard's plans, really. And but now seems firm, firmly back in them. Uh, he certainly looked impressive in in both appearances. Um, it would seem somewhat strange that Gerard would use a player who would probably n- not be around next season. Um, of course, unless like he's desperately needed needed to use them, which he hasn't really in Carney's case. So, do you think there is um, any movement on his future? And if so, what sort of impact do you see Carney having uh, for Villa over the next few years? I mean, look, he's undoubtedly a talent, and a talent we should be doing everything we can keep hold of. I do think the Villa squad's somewhat thin at the moment. I think when you've got the number of bench places teams currently have and and the number of games we've got, it's no surprise to see us using everyone. Though, I mean, Samsung can't get a kick and and Tim Mirug Bonham can't can't get a kick, and you thought that would be this would be the week he'd get a game, but. Yeah, I mean, I want to see Carney stick around. I think he's a great footballer. I think if we can sort out his situation and get him to knuckle down, there's no better manager than Steven Gerrard to bring the best out of him. And I think him, much as we were saying with Coutinho and Buendia, him and Ramsey could dovetail really nicely in a team as well. Two exciting young English players who play a very similar style to each other. There is just the off-the-field stuff, which which we don't know about. The one thing I would say, though, there's been tons of hate for him online today for for the second Liverpool goal, I think. And there's been a fair bit kicking around. And I, I mean, the one thing I would say is I thought it's probably not the game to bring him on for the, the Liverpool game. I thought Gerard didn't do him any favours by bringing him on in that game. But but as you say, Andy, the fact he is bringing him on, possibly good signs that there might be a contract in, in the lad's future. He, he's certainly the calibre of youngster we want to keep around. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think just looking at both games and certainly being there, Last night, I mean, you know, whether it, 
it was the right substitution is is open to question. I think that's sometimes the luck of the draw. Um, but he he looked incredibly impressive. He didn't look out of place. Um, and there was one moment where he, he he took on three or four Liverpool players and seemed to come up with the ball. So, you know, he's he's certainly got that in his locker. He's not he's not frightened. He actually looks a bit more. I felt he seemed when he played earlier in the season. He started the game against Brentford earlier in the season, and he looked good. He looked tidy, but he he wasn't he, he wasn't kind of um, exerting himself on the on the on the on the game as such. I feel like the last couple of games he's he's come on, he's really had a go, and he's he's looked aggressive and he's looked um, you know quite quite a dominant sort of figure there, and obviously excellent on the ball. Now I'm 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 a big one for watching how how players um sort of look after the ball and 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 their style of style of how they how they do things and he's very natural he's just very natural in possession of the ball and uh seems to know know, know what he's doing so um the signs are good it feels you know like cuz cuz ultimately Gerald's got no reason to play him if he's not going to be there next season, has he? You know, a bit like with Sanson. You know, he doesn't need if Sanson's off. Then what's the point in playing him? Um, so there must be talks on going, or whether there's something. There's been a bit of a bit of movement, maybe. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in due course. Um, but I really hope he stays. I think he's a he's a he's a quality player. Um, he's only going to get better, and um, you know. He's, he's like I say he's 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 playing for uh, for for someone he's probably gr- grown up grown up watching and idolising. So um, it must be tempting for him. It's just what how he's how how well he's being advised um, elsewhere and what sort of offers are on the table for him, I guess. But then you know he's still contracted for another year as well. It's not like he's out of contract, so. There's there's that as well, so we'll 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 see how 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 that pans out. But certainly, um, he's 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 looking at home in uh, in in that villa in that villa squad. Um, and this Sunday, um, we'll move on to it's the the archetypal mid-table end of the season meeting as Villa welcome Patrick Vieira in Crystal Palace for what should be quite an entertaining game. Each side will be trying to usurp the other to break into the top half and there'll be no shortage of attacking talent on show as, as Palace have a wealth of options including obviously Zaha, Eze and Chelsea Loney, Connor Gallagher. Um, we may even get to see our old boys uh, Christian Benteke and Jordan Ayew uh, lining up for, for, for Palace. Um Gerard will, of course, be keen to inch above the Eagles and, and stake a claim for 10th spot and uh, will hope to build on the, the recent in, encouraging performances. Um, how do you see this one going and, and would you like to see any changes, Any anyone you'd like to see, anything you'd like to see in the team on Saturday, on Sunday afternoon? It's a funny one, this one, because it's, it's the archetypal dead season rubber. I mean, neither team has anything to play for. They're, they're more likely to be exchanging holiday tips on where they're going to spend the off-season than, than trying. <laughs> and yet, I think both teams do have something to play for. I think Patrick Vieira has done a great job at, at Crystal Palace and is, and in some regards, the barometer by which Steven Gerrard should be measured in, in the fact that he's gone in there turned around the style of play and the personnel and, and really built a young, exciting team. And I think they'll be trying to finish as high up the table as they can. And and I think you can't underestimate the importance of Villa finishing the season well and, and really taking that momentum into next year. So I think Gerard will have his troops fired up. So, so I'm really looking forward to this one. I think, as I say, Palace are the kind of team I, I measure Villa against at the moment. They're a team with a clear plan, a clear identity, and a lot of under-the-radar good players few of which I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind in Villa's squad actually. So so I'm looking forward to it. It's um it's certainly a challenge though. I think when you got the likes of Zaha and, and Elise and I mean uh Ezra is, is kind of or Eze sorry is uh, is injured so we, we dodge him but they've got some really exciting players to watch and I think it'll be a challenge for us but but one I think we're we're more than able to to handle. So yeah, really, actually looking forward to this one. I haven't said that over recent weeks. I'm genuinely excited about a game. Yeah, I mean, it could be a real a real kind of uh, 
you know, fast flowing basketball match. Yeah, it really, could be, yeah. it? It's 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 uh, it's it is one of those. It's neither team has really got much to lose, but quite a bit to gain, really. So you might as well go for it, and um, certainly, you know, it's it's an opportunity, isn't it, to kind of to kind of get ahead of them get ahead of them kind of once and for all really and uh, you know f- finish uh, finish above them so yeah I'm looking forward to it I would like to see Carney start to be honest if if um, if Ramsey isn't isn't back I would like to see Carney start in the midfield with uh, um, well I don't know who McGinn and and Dougie maybe or Nakamba um, and I'd like to see of course you know I want to watch Coutinho as much as possible, but I think it might be another game for for Buendia, In fairness, and uh, you know, perhaps he'll he'll uh, he'll give uh, Coutinho another 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 break on the bench. So um, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. The never ending saga. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely one I'm looking forward to, and I, I agree with what you said about about Vieira. I think. Uh, I think um, he's done an incredible job. I think when you, you looked at Palace last, you know, last season, Hodgson was leaving. They seemed like all the, the whole squad was out of contract. There was there was all kinds of um, issues there, and you know he's come in and he's really developed a, a really solid identity. And you know they've they've had some good wins and some really good performances. And you know I'm sure they'll be wanting to uh, to to tie down uh, kind of Gallagher next season but I'm um, you know with what's happening at Chelsea I imagine they'll be wanting all the players they can get um possibly so um that's that's a difficult one to do I, I imagine but um any predictions for this one what do you reckon I fancy us in this one um I fancy Palace to score because we we can't seem to buy a clean sheet but I'd go free one villa yeah, good, good shout. I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna go big. I'm gonna go four three. Oof. I'm gonna go, yeah, proper basketball match. I think it's gonna be, uh, I think it's gonna be really interesting and really exciting. <laughs> It'd probably be well, let's hope there. so. I'd be, I'd be all on board for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go four three Villa, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, an entertaining one. So um, anyway, thanks for thanks for joining me. That's all we have got time for. But uh, yeah, it's been great to to. Uh, chew over the last week with you and um hope everyone's in, enjoyed listening um and thank you for that um head over to underagaslitlamp.com uh, to check out the website and give us a, a follow on the socials um and obviously enjoy the, the 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 game on sunday if you're going down and wherever you're watching it from um, and we'll be back next week to look ahead to um the last two games of the season at home to burnley and away at Man City, and I wonder if we can uh, can snatch that medal away from Jack Grealish. <laughs> we'll wait, we'll wait and see. But um, like I say, thanks for joining me. Um, stay safe and up the villa.